0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW report Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
0: 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play, and download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is artist Mark Patnote. Mark also conducts arts residencies in schools, including for Connecticut's Higher Order Thinking, or HOT, schools. He is also a fellow of the Urban Artists Initiative in Hartford, Connecticut. Mark Patnote, welcome to Creativity and Play.
1: Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to join you.
0: Well, before we get into some of the work that you're doing in schools and communities, you're you're first of all an artist in your own right and quite and, uh, prolific as I follow you in Connecticut where you're also located. You just describe a little bit about the kind of work that you do as an artist and, and then we'll kind of move into how you help others happen into that as well.
1: It, it really has evolved over the uh, past decade, I would say, Thanks to initiatives in Connecticut that benefit the arts. Um, as you mentioned, I'm I'm a uh, fellow of Urban Artists Initiative, which was a program which reached out to ten different cities over ten years in Connecticut. I had the uh, pleasure of being involved in the New London and Norwich area in southeastern Connecticut of that program. And through UAI Urban Artists Initiative, uh, I received some training in how to better approach the art. Uh, field, if you will. And also through that, I had opportunity to, um, to become a teaching artist with the state of Connecticut through hot schools, which is higher order thinking. Um, my work really began uh, at Purchase College in the 1970s, last century of course, and uh, I I trained really as an abstract expressionist painter more than anything else. But, but in this region, so rich in southeastern Connecticut with uh, Impressionism, that proved to be a different launching point for me artistically once I came to Connecticut in uh, 1979. Mark, can you tell us
2: a little bit more about hot schools or higher order thinking schools and how they encourage arts integration and also democratic process?
1: Yes, I'd be happy to do that. It's uh, a program that's approaching its 20th uh, anniversary in the state of Connecticut. Very wonderful program, unique from what I can see in the United States. It's led by uh, Bonnie Kova, and for a period of time, um, Amy Goldbass was on staff with uh, the state of Connecticut. She's now independent, but still affiliated with the program. And I should also mention that uh, Amy Friedman and Keeky's was part of that initiative as well for a period of time. Um, Hot Schools is really about uh, bringing the arts into education, it's, and it starts with three components, strong arts, arts integration, and democratic proc- uh, practice.
2: Well, it reminded me of when um, years ago I was involved in a district down in California, and uh, the arts were being integrated into an AIDS education program, and it was integra- the arts were integrated across all the disciplines, so in the math class, in the writing class, in the social studies class, et cetera, science class, and um, it was amazing what happened. I wonder if um, you could share a story from your own teaching and involvement with hot schools about the changes that you see in the curriculum and and how that influences
1: creativity in the students and teachers' lives. I think the the greatest pleasure I get from the experience of being in a hot school, um, and there are about 11 of them through the state of Connecticut, is there really are no outliers once you have students fully engaged in the arts because there are multiple intelligences that come into play. If you're familiar with um, Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences, you have uh logical, mathematical, spatial, body kinesthetic, interpersonal, interpersonal. And once students are engaged in a, a tactile effort such as uh, painting or drawing, and they're learning other curricular material at the same time, the level of engagement is fabulous. And I think the thing that I've been most impressed with is anytime there's any kind of a discipline problem, uh, and that's age appropriate, because I'll work with uh, uh, students at kindergarten level all the way up to high school level, and and all personalities are different, all emotions are different uh, with various students. But I've I've not seen any outliers I've not seen people become disinvolved Um, there seems to be uh, um, a fascination that the students have with producing something at the same time that they're learning uh, the other curricular disciplines so I I see full engagement I think that's I, I can't cite one example but I see it recurrently in all my residencies.
0: So, some of what you described a, a few moments ago about hot schools with the the tree elements, just to sort of expand on that a little bit um, part- part of the goal of this program and and I've been involved with it, which is how Mark and I originally met some years ago is um, is to really be able to expand the role of the arts in in promoting creative thinking in schools and education and and to both elaborate on the arts that are already happening within the school, but also bringing in outside teaching artists, people like Mark, and then the, the democratic process part. That both you and Mary Alice mentioned to, to really engage the kids in being part of their own education and, and decisions about that. So, what what happens when you go into a school, and what do you, what do you do? And knowing that you know different <coughs> artists bring different, different approaches. So, what do you do when you go into a school to engage them as a as an outside artist coming in for a residency for a period of, of days sometimes or, or months in other cases?
1: Well, the first thing I take note of uh, when I go into the school is, is school culture, uh, what their needs are, and also what they're studying. Generally, a hot school's residency involves an off site planning day and then an on site planning day and then a series of days in the school. For instance, I'll go to an off-site planning day and meet with probably three teachers, and uh, we'll discuss what the needs are curricularly and what they would like to see as an arts program come in. And through that process, it takes about a day. We'll come to a conclusion of whether the need is uh, to build something, for instance, uh, a longhouse, Native American longhouse, or do a mural, or do electronic media, which I also specialize in. Let's say they want to do a a video or an electronic presentation. Um, We'll decide on that, and then we bring in the other curricular needs, the science, the math, the social studies, and fold that in. So as they're experiencing an artistic um, effort, they're also writing about it in their journals. They're learning language skills at the same time how to articulate about something, how to expand their vocabulary to describe what they're involved in. So it really starts with the arts. We we In the hot schools, it's really about strong arts. That has to be uh, the first component, and that's rigorous academic subjects in arts. And then the arts integration uh, is when we fold in all the disciplines. And democratic practice is, is really the aspect of uh, students making a connection, and each one makes a contribution to the overall effort. So we try to get that all achieved uh, on the off-site planning day, and then once we go into the school, there's an on-site planning day where we start looking at how we can structure it into the time frame that's necessary to establish that as a, um, a, a, a firm effort. So to speak, and and while I'm saying that, I have to give a lot of credit to uh, David Marshall, who's I believe now up in Massachusetts, but he was critical to the establishment of um, hot schools uh, methodology and also Urban Artists Initiative in uh, Connecticut.
2: So, Mark, in the with reference to the democratic process, everyone in the community has a voice and. Um, so, each student can contribute each teacher, each staff member to the whole uh, uh development of the community. It sounds like um and i was when I was looking at the hot schools um the goals, one of the things that struck me was um town meetings, I think it was called and um also how the students in terms of the writing they can drop off their writing and then that writing is critiqued and then there's a whole whole school meeting to share those poems and that those those pieces of writing it all sounds really exciting
1: that, that's right and you'll hear terms such as magical mailbox and uh the town meetings are a time for all the students to gather and celebrate their achievements what's wonderful about the program is that every student has a voice. They simply articulate in a different way. When I work with students I stress that um, they may see me doing art and and painting and drawing and and electronic uh, media and sculpture sometimes, but without exception, every one of them is creative as well. They simply manifest it in a different way. So what we do is we understand a certain art form, and they work to achieve something in that art form, but with the understanding that they, too, have a voice and can articulate that voice in a wide variety of manners. So we're really reinforcing the concept of uh, thoughtful uh, applications to their own creative uh, aspirations.
2: If people from other areas, such as my area, Washington State, or other states, wanted to develop hot schools, what would you suggest as far as the um, beginning stages of development and how to get going?
1: I I think the first thing that I would recommend is participation in something called Hot School Summer Institute. And you've probably got the date in front of you for that. I don't recall it offhand. I think it's the second weekend in July, or the second week in July.
0: And that's a one-week opportunity for people to come and and meet both teachers and administrators from some of the hot schools in Connecticut, as well as people like yourself who are, are artists working in those schools, and learn what what the whole concept is about, and be able to take things back to their own schools or districts or states, if they're from from beyond Connecticut, um, to to um, potentially take back these ideas and apply themselves.
1: And this year it's going to be held at Wesleyan College up in Middletown, New- uh, Connecticut. <laughs> I almost said Middletown, New, New York, because that's where my mom lives.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned earlier the 20th anniversary, and I, I just heard from Bonnie Kova this morning that they're trying to get a presenter from every one of the 20 years that the Summer Institute has taken place. So it, it will be an exciting year for people who are interested in arts education and creative education to potentially come to Connecticut and participate um, in in this event. So shift, shifting gears a little bit, but still talking about arts in Connecticut, I know you're also um, involved with the Connecticut Arts Council, and so sort of pushing beyond the arts education part, what else is going on in Connecticut in the arts that people should know about and pay attention to?
1: Well, the Connecticut Arts Council is um, co-chaired by, um, well, not co-chaired, let's say it's led by Fritz Gellinghaus, who's the uh, vice president of development at Sim Academy College of Fine Arts. Um, And uh, Kip Bergstrom, of course, is um, with the uh, Department of Economic and Community Development in Connecticut. The organization is is really uh, working on Uh, Advancing the interests of Arts in Connecticut, especially when it comes to grants for artists, grants for programs, uh, various organizations throughout the state, and also uh, deciding on uh, Governor's Awards for Artistic Merit. So it's a a vital group. Uh, We meet uh, periodically, almost every – I would say it's trending towards every month at this point, and some fine, fine people, hardworking staff at the uh, Connecticut state level – of uh, making significant contributions to that organization. Well, when I was uh, looking at all
2: that you're involved in, Mark, I came across um, the words creative placemaking, which really excited me. seems to be that uh, a lot of my Twitter friends and <laughs> people on Facebook, etc., are talking about placemaking. And you mentioned... Um, that you'd like to look at this New London landmarks and let people know about this nonprofit. So I wondered if you'd talk about that in the Creative Placemaking Project.
1: Uh, Sandra Kirsten-Chalk is currently the director of uh, the program that I'm working with. She won a, um, I think it was a $100,000 grant to revitalize an area of um, New London City, which was effectively cut off from the city. It's called Riverside Park. And what happened was when the the Gold Star Bridge was built over um, the Thames River and um, uh, the New London area, (coughs) the folks in the Riverside Park area were effectively cut off from the rest of the city. So in order to get uh, exposure for them and get the city to bridge back to them, uh, we've got this wonderful uh, initiative that's bringing the arts into that community. Um, I can mention that um, uh, Lana Burton of Creative Dance uh, Compendium, um, Continuum rather, uh, Dr. Roger Trembley, and um, Darren Wood of Flock Theater are each involved in that program and, and myself. And what we're doing is working not just with the community but also Winthrop School, which is there as well, and bringing hot schools-type arts experience uh, into that community to help with, uh, let's say, visibility of the community to reestablish that link to the city. So another part of
0: your work as an artist and, and your residencies has taken you to Bulgaria. How, how did that come about, and what did you do when you were there in that
1: residency? Well, that was a treat, and uh, I'm on the hook to go back because the Bulgarian press quoted me as saying that uh, I would return, so I've got to do that pretty soon. (laughs) Um, The Griffiths Arts Center uh, in in New London, uh, along with the uh, uh, Orpheus Foundation in Bulgaria, established uh, a program years back which uh, facilitated the visit of artists from each country going to the other country and experiencing culture. And, and it was a cultural bridge, really started um, back with um, William Meredith, the, the poet. And um, that program allowed me to go to um, Sofia and then travel to the village of uh, Serafimota, which is about a few kilometers from the Greek border. Uh, Rolling Hills, absolutely wonderful location. And it was by invitation uh, that I that I received the uh, opportunity, thoroughly enjoyed it, spent just short of a month there uh, understanding the culture of Bulgaria. It's really where uh, East meets West culturally. So it was an eye-opening experience. And uh, I absolutely love the Bulgarian culture and the people, very friendly. And they gave me a couple of exhibits over there. Uh, I'm happy to say that I now have the work of my, uh, one of my artworks in a Bulgarian museum.
0: Very nice. And did you work with the, um, the community or with kids as well over there, or was it more focused on your own direct
1: work? It, it was a little bit more focused on my own work. It was similar to residencies that I've had with Park, which is in East Hadham, Connecticut, and also with Vermont Studio Center. It was a time to really focus on growth, and I I would say it was um, critical to the next stage that I've reached um, in in terms of the work that I'm now doing. I was going to ask you,
0: too, if you'd say something about Park and and your residency there. I I know I amazingly have never been there, but I've heard about it for so long and know several people like yourself that have have had residencies there. Can you you say a little bit about that and the kind of work that they're
1: doing? It's a It's a kind of well-kept secret. probably shouldn't be a secret. It's it's, uh, on the web. I think it's uh, ipark.org. And it's about 300 acres in East Haddam, Connecticut, which is set aside for artist residencies. And they kind of wrap things up in in the winter time frame. So we should have uh, folks coming into a residency probably – uh, in the April timeframe, they'll they'll start getting back into activity. I, I get invitations to attend there as alumni of the organization, and I, I love promoting them because the opportunity for growth and for um, uh, interaction with other artists on, on, on a month-long residency there is, is absolutely wonderful. If, if folks from Connecticut can't make it to Vermont Studio Center due to distance or anything else, uh Park is an absolute wonderful opportunity.
0: And and their focus tends to connect um arts and environments.
1: Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, in fact they just started a, a new program there involving uh, uh architects. So I think we'll be hearing more about um, that initiative over the next few years. <laughs>
2: I imagine that there are a lot of people making efforts to influence um, sta- the state legislators in um, Connecticut about to move forward the needs for art education and the arts in general in Connecticut. So I wondered again, what you would let us know what's happening there and also um, share some advice for others who are looking at ways to communicate and make contact with their state, state legislators to improve arts education in the schools and in general in the community.
1: I think, um, while we're on that topic, one of the things that the Connecticut state legislature is going to start seeing more of is, uh, arts involvement in the new London area. The new London school system has increased, uh, the amount of arts exposure that's happening and, and a lot of that is owed to uh, Dr. Nick Fisher and his initiatives, what, what he's doing. And of course, uh, uh, Dr. Adamowski is now uh, involved in the process with New, New London Schools and uh, the Renzulli, um, uh education um, initiatives that are happening here as well. There, there's an awful lot of news that's going to come out in the next few years about Transformation that's happening in New London, so I, I would encourage uh, the legislature to keep an eye on New London and see what's happening there because I, I think it may well lead the state in terms of um, what arts and education should look like. Um, there are an awful lot of wonderful people like uh, Stephen Jean Siegel of the at the Garden Arts Center who are applying uh, their efforts in the equation as well. Um, So I would say keep an eye on New London, and and the legislature will will probably see some wonderful initiatives uh, percolating here.
0: As as we're coming into our last few minutes together, I want to shift you again to um, something you did did with me in the past, which was uh, you came to my class on creativity and social change at the University of Connecticut and worked with those students to tap into their creativity and the creative thinking through uh, using drawing in the arts. And I'd like you to sort of elaborate on, on what you did that day, but particularly the, the notion of, of really being able to use drawing as a tool for creative thinking, even if people aren't necessarily, you know, looking to become an expert artist, but to still use some of the same things you do as an artist to tap into their broader
1: creativity. I, I think that, um, when people talk about art, it's often a um, a lofty goal, which they don't see themselves participating in. And I, I would say if somebody walked up to me and said, here's a tightrope, I want you to get up there and start walking across it, my reaction would be, I've never done anything like that before. I don't know if I could do it. I don't so, do tight ropes. <laughs> so an awful lot of it is, Starting with a really simple procedure, and that is just simply taking any kind of a tool, whether it be a a pencil or a brush or even clay, and just start with feeling it and understanding it and getting to know what it is. And then uh, kind of dispense with the uh, aspect of drawing and really start with the idea of just making a line that starts with a line and really get the acceptance Of the ability to just simply make a mark, so to speak. That's, that's where I love beginning with people because anyone can do that. Anyone can make a mark. Just do this. And then we start talking about making circles, making other things. I've had kindergartners at, um, University of Hartford Magnet School actually drawing anatomically correct faces after only about maybe 15 minutes of instruction. So it's really a matter of uh, explaining things in in simple concepts and encouragement, a lot of encouragement. Well, I think,
2: Mark, you're make a mark. (laughs) For one thing, it's your name. But for another, it's a great metaphor Um, because I, I think it's so true that the art can help each of us make a mark in the world. Um... And that it does take simple forms. Um, my, I have two uh, grand twins. We're going to be four in June, and th- exactly what you're saying is happening for them. Just playing with the medium, and then that encourages them to
1: continue okay. on
2: and to to draw that line. So <laughs> I appreciate I'm glad that. Why did you
1: introduce the word play? Because That's a healthy thing. In fact, one of the third grade teachers I was working with at a school up in Wilcott, Connecticut, I I asked her one day day in the teacher's lounge, I said, what's the greatest challenge that you're having right now with your third grade students? And she said, they don't play. Uh, And play is a healthy thing. It's, It's a necessary thing, and it's part of the artistic experience. So we do an awful lot of Uh, encouragement as teaching artists in in helping people to get to that point of creativity where they're experimenting. And yes, sometimes it is play. Thank you for that
2: that testimony. I love that.
0: And elaborating in the last minute, how do you play to keep yourself, keep your own creativity alive?
1: Well, I, I took a risk in the past few months with my latest series. It's called Illuminations, and it opens uh, April 5th at NEC Gallery in Norwich. Uh, I got back to my roots as an abstract expressionist of and I started to splash paint. And one of the pieces that I did, I entered into the Slater Museum, 69th Connecticut annual, and the thing one best in show. I was standing there saying, yes, there was a point at which I threw paint at that canvas because I loved the idea of the tactile, wonderful statement of paint being paint. So taking a risk like that and playing with it uh, actually took me to another level. So that that was kind of cool. Uh,
0: so, So the lesson is it pays to play. Can I please... I would say, Mark, the, less, the lesson from this is it, it, it pays to play.
1: It sure does. I mean, uh, professional athletes are getting, making some good money at it too. So,
0: well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today on Creativity and Play. We covered a lot of uh, different uh, topics today, so I really appreciate your uh, input on, on thinking about creativity and play and education and learning. So we hope to uh, continue the conversation in the future as well. So thanks again for joining us.
1: My thanks to both of you for this opportunity. Uh,
0: Mark Patnot is an artist and teaching artist in Connecticut, and you can find more about him at marktheartist.com. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guest shows at creativityandplay.com. And find Creativity in Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity in Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Play on. Thank you.